Welcome to Tuesday's Book Club, an intimate community of book lovers that want to explore intriguing, controversial, and mind-pulling stories from around the globe. Every show, we bring you thoughts and perspectives that will make you go, hmm. Grab your books and join myself, Nova Lorraine, and my co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato, every two weeks for a new book, that will change your life. Welcome to Tuesday Morning's Book Club, a new show exclusively on the Pink Kangaroo Network, a community of wild thinkers. Pink Kangaroo is a network for serious platform listeners and hosts that think outside the box. Tuesday Morning's Book Club is where we read and share both smart fiction and nonfiction books that will inspire you on your journey of growth. We'll explore each story and share our version of what happens next. Our co-hosts are out-of-the-box thinkers, and we hope to challenge you and inspire you to see these books in a way that you haven't seen before. There'll be a new show every two weeks with a new book that's featured, so mark your calendars to join us and read along. Today, we'll be reviewing The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And our next three books in this order, so make sure you have your pens and papers ready. The Mutant Message Down Under by Marlo Morgan, Chanel by Axel Madsen, and Proof of Heaven by Eben Alexander, M.D. So now for some introductions. I'm Nova Lorraine, founder of Rain Magazine, writer, brand advisor, and author of the upcoming book, Unleash Your Supernova. We have Toby Santagato, originally from Florida, executive director of Magnolo Dance Company, co-founder of Santagato Services, a New Jersey-based accounting firm, an avid reader, lover of creativity, and she's also completely obsessed with dogs. Barbara, our third co-host, is a writer, avid reader, mother of four, manager of security teams, and she loves to cook and mountain bike in her free time. Hi, Barbara and Toby. Hi. Okay, guys, let's dive into about The Alchemist. It's known as a modern classic, and it follows a young boy who's around 18 years old. His name is Santiago, and he lives in Andalusia in Spain, and he's a shepherd boy who has a dream, a reoccurring dream, that there's a treasure waiting for him beneath the pyramids of Egypt. And so from there, we take this wonderful journey with him on following his heart and sometimes not following his heart. And all the wonderful and rich characters that he meets along the way and also discover the importance of omens or symbols or signs that he continuously encounters and how that helps him or not get closer to finding his treasure. So that's The Alchemist. And we hope you really enjoy our review. So again, I'm going to welcome our co-hosts, Toby and Barbara. What do you guys want to jump into first? 
We had a great experience with this book. I shared it with my family, uh, my husband. We talked about the nuances of it. I really enjoyed revisiting it over and over again. I could see myself reading it in the future again. Oh, yeah. I mean, so a friend of mine, this is how I came across the book. I ran into a friend that I hadn't seen in a while. And I said, hey, you know, in a conversation, you know, we're catching up. What books are you reading? And I don't think it was this, I don't know if I even had asked this question before, but anyway, they shared a list of books. And for whatever reason, out of the four or five books they rattled off, The Alchemist stuck with me. And I knew a little bit about what alchemy was in the general sense of turning metals into gold. And so just the title alone intrigued me. And then so I went and ordered the book and started reading it. And I think I finished it in a day or two days. I mean, I was that intrigued as I was going through it. And I agree. Instantly, I wanted to share what I was reading. And of course, my my children, I have four as well. Barbara and I are part of the Four Kids Club. <laughs> and my my children and husband had to listen to all my, all my stories and lessons and metaphors <laughs> that I was reading about. And so it's definitely one of the books that has impacted me a lot immediately after reading it and even while reading it. How about you, Barbara? Um, Well, I was introduced to the book by my twin sister. Whenever Mm -hmm. she reads a book that she, and it touches her, she will send it to myself and to our best friend. So several, several years ago, this was before my two youngest were born. uh, My sister gifted it to both of us for Christmas. And she would tell us, did you read the book yet? Did you read the book yet? (laughs) And so it was funny because my best friend and I both read it pretty much around the same time. And we were able to uh, talk to her about it just a little bit. And what I was realizing now that I've currently read the book again, is that my perspective back then, and I guess maybe because of the journey that I've had so far uh, from that point to now, has completely changed how I've uh, received the book. So I'm pretty much, I'm really excited to talk about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, one of the things that's stood out to me about the structure of the book, that it is written in metaphors. I mean, even the title is a metaphor. What did you guys think about that in terms of the structure? Did you like it? Did you not? Did the metaphors grab you? Was it annoying? I loved it. Again, because, I mean, this is the kind of book that you're going to read all the time. I mean, every time you read it, you're going to get something different. Like, for instance, I mean, perfect example, when, you know, the book starts off where it talks about Narcissist and how he looked into the pond and he fell into the pond and all the nymphs were sad that he had to go. And they asked the the pond itself, like the spirit of the pond, what do you feel sad um, that you are no longer able to see such a beautiful person? And the response was, I'm sad because it wasn't that I saw him. It was that I saw my reflection in his eyes. So Mm. one of the things that got to me as I read this book again was that everyone is going to have something different that they're going to take out of this book, just like everyone in the book had a different take on what their journey is. Yeah. You know, and how they were going to reach that journey. So I, I, it was very enjoyable how he was able to put those metaphors together. Yeah, no, they actually, you know, I completely forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. There's so, there's so many goodies in this book. You have to read it more than once. I'm actually, this was my second time rereading it as well to just remember half of them. Toby, you were going to say something? 
Yeah, I think that it's interesting that there's metaphors inside the book, but each page, it seems like the metaphor is like there's a 50% is the book and the other part that connects it is yourself. So you're literally, Mm. it's like a parallel experience every time you scoop up a page, which is really cool. No, that's a really, really good point because it was such a unique experience reading this book because it is very different from how most books are written. And yeah, I will agree with you. And how you put it in words was beautiful in terms of this parallel experience because you do almost become the character. (laughs) It's like his writing style literally brings you into the book to experience each and every step along the way and then question, okay, well, where do I fit in and how do I see this and what would I do and how would I respond? Who's this character in my life as he meets different characters? Am I this character? So that, no, I loved how you... Yeah. And I think for me, often I would look at that and say, wow, we should inspire other people like he's being inspired. So take a stand, mm. not just for yourself, but to be an inspiration to other people when they're on their journey. So I'd like that uh, little piece as well. And it, I like to help people, but it made me even more motivated. Yeah, no, I, I think even just telling as many people as I could about the book, because I felt like even if I described what I got out of it and, you know, gave a summary of it. I wouldn't do it justice. Like literally I would say, you have to read this book, (laughs) you know? I know, true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the things I loved about the book because it's like, here he is going on this journey of self-discovery, but each person that he meets he he touches them in some way where they too are are being very are being reflective of their journey. Oh, true. Yeah, it's like alchemy. I guess you know what I mean. He's he's ch- he changed each person that he mm. that he encountered. Mm. So in a sense yeah. that he's been there trying to change his life, and yeah. the reality is he's actually as he's going through his journey, wanting to change his life, he's changing the life of others too, which right. I thought was was pretty uh, amazing. Yeah. No, and even as you're saying that, I'm thinking. Okay. Again, going back to Toby's point of like living parallel lives with the character, you know, so many of us are so busy with just doing, doing, doing. We may not even stop to think about how our words, our actions, or even our body language is affecting or changing the people around us, right? Like that, even that, like, huh, I didn't didn't even think about that. And I think what was interesting is in whether he was meeting the gypsy, the king, the crystal shop owner, each person, he, they were not willing to just not, you know, to just give up. They were really passionate about how they advised him and vice versa. And they did, it wasn't just a one-time conversation. It was really persistent. And it just made me think, we can't just try to help people once and be done. We have to really be persistent in helping. Okay. You know, guys, I'm taking notes as you guys are talking because these are all really good points. And I'm like, it's true. Changing lives. (laughs) Be persistent. (laughs) And you know, Toby, you just reminded me of something in the book where the alchemist, before he leaves the uh, Santiago, the young man, the young boy, he tells him about a story about how the father passes away and he talks to the angel and he says to the angel, you know, uh, my son was such a good poet. I just want to know if his words lived on. And he mm-hmm. he goes and, and the angel shows him many, many years down the road and he sees the boy, its words um, have made a difference. And the dad is like, that's amazing. But then he looks a little bit closer and he's like, wait a minute, that's are those his poems? And the angel says, no, his poems ended up dying off, but 
let me tell you, your son went on to become a centurion and one of his uh, people were, were very ill and he found out about a rabbi who was able to help him. And then when he finally, you know, let me cut forward, he finally goes to the rabbi, realizes that this rabbi is amazing and powerful. And he says to the rabbi, I, my home is not worthy of your presence. If you can just say this young man is healed, he will be healed. And the father's blown away by his son's words, that his son's words were able to touch someone else's life. And the alchemist was uh, pretty much was saying that every person you encounter, every instance matters. Right. Mm. And, I, and that really hit me too. Like just going along with what you were saying, Toby, like any little thing that we do can influence someone uh, towards the positive. And that really, that really touched me. Well, this is a good transition point to dig a little deeper into the story because we're mentioning all these really cool, intriguing characters. So let's dive into the book even further in more detail. Let's cover some of these sections. And again, just a brief summary, Santiago travels from Spain to Africa in pursuit of this supposed treasure that he had a dream about. And he had no money. You know, when he had the dream, he was a shepherd boy and he was a boy. He And he'd never been to Africa before. He has no idea, you know, where these pyramids are, which he found out about for the first time early in the book that there were even such a thing called pyramids. And he has to make this quest across the world. And so let's let's go into that a little more. Let's start, let's start in the beginning. I think what's interesting is even before he gets to that point, Early yeah. on, once he starts moving around and, and leaving his family, he meets key people that then lead him to have the courage to make that final, not a final step, but that next step to really leaving and traveling. So yeah. I think that meeting even the gypsy was the beginning. You know, it seems like a very small character. And what makes that stand out for me is when you meet people, what Barbara was saying is you don't know the impact. It could be such a small character or a small deed that you do that really makes a difference for someone else. And the best deeds are ones that you may not know about. You did that mm-hmm. and you move on with yeah. your life, but those people's lives are changed, which is wonderful, I think. And so mm-hmm. I think that with the gypsy, when we're reading the book, we don't really realize the way the author kind of puts that in there and then circles back a couple of times. It's really interesting that we realize and we take away from that that each character in our lives is significant, even if it's a short period of time. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, what there was a maybe two paragraphs, if that, yeah, that was dedicated to that scene with him meeting this gypsy woman, which helps him interpret well to an extent. I mean, he wanted to know what this dream meant, and she only gave him a snippet of what she thought it meant, and it wasn't enough for him at the at that time. And it did seem insignificant to him. He just kind of brushed it off, like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, know? he was like, this is silly thought, yeah. <laughs> that was a waste of time, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as you said, it was the pivotal point in giving him that push that he needed, that little nugget um, to start on this this path of pursuing his dream. And, you know, just reflecting back, like, okay, how many dreams did we have, or even in the literal sense, he had a dream he that repeated. And 
he was frustrated and wanted to get an interpretation of that dream. But even in that sense, how many dreams did we have that either repeated or moved us in some way and we kind of just brushed it off, right? And, you know, how many times can we say that was a message or not, you know? So even in the literal sense, I think it's, it's really interesting to, to kind of reflect on and go, hmm, you know, or someone may have given us a really important message that we needed or information that we needed to take us on the next step step of pursuing our quote unquote dream pursuit in life, right? Yeah. Yes, definitely. No, I was going to say that that's one of the main themes in the book. It's like when you really want to do something, if that's your journey, the world is going to conspire um, to help you reach that. So all of these people, although they have small parts, like you said, they all contributed towards um, him reaching his goals and, re- and reaching his personal legend. Yeah. And I think what was interesting that Nova just said is the word frustration stood out for me. That like with frustrations, what you do with those is so significant, right? So if he was mm-hmm. frustrated with not knowing his dream, not getting his answers right away, not being happy with the answers he got from the gypsy and he just gave up, nothing would show up for him. Even if the world was conspiring to help him, if he's frustrated mm-hmm. and he walks away from that instead of being motivated to keep pushing to figure it out, the journey ends. So I think that we should be able to sometimes notice frustrations. We have to pay attention to them. And then what do we do with them? Yeah, no, that's, oh, I love that. And, and, you know, going back to the character and uh, I think Barbara referenced this earlier, how each character has such a significant part for many reasons. I think there were layers of symbolism for each character, but for the gypsy, for some reason, one one of the things that she said that she said that stood out to me was that I read palms because I'm not wise. Like so, this is you know she, and I was like, well, how many people would say that they're not wise? Like, wow, she just. <laughs> and she said, well, this is just what. Very matter of factly, this is just what I do, and I'm doing what I do, and I know what I can't do, but I I know that what I am doing, I do it very well, and just to admit what her talents and gifts were, but then also to verbally share what she felt was her weakness. And mm-hmm. and it was in a very matter of fact way. She wasn't like, oh, I feel sorry for me or I feel sorry for myself. Or it was just like, boom. And I thought, I don't know, that just really stuck with me. Like how many people would would do that? Like share their weakness, but in a way where it almost enhanced their gifts. Well, you know what just struck me like for the first time ever in the book, all the characters, except the alchemist, I would believe, and the boy, all are, it's, they're also all just accepting, right? Everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. And eventually he realizes that that holds them back. And there's a point in the book oh, later, yeah. later where he's willing to accept like, oh, you know, I care about, there's a scene in there where he really falls in love with somebody and he wants to just keep that. He's happy where yeah. he is. And so yeah. each each character actually is, that's their role. They're very complacent. And the boy starts to realize that that's stagnating, right? So like, I'm like, Ooh, I didn't think about that either. Ooh, that's so good. That is so true. They, yeah, they are very much like, Oh, this is what it is. And I, or even in the earlier part of the book before he meets the gypsy, I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong. He meets a woman that the merchant's daughter, and she's very beautiful. She has Moorish eyes. 
And she's marveled by the fact that he can read, a shepherd yes. boy that can read. And he then is like, oh, I'm in love, you know, or at least feels this feeling of, oh, I want to marry her because she loves me so much. And I remember one of the statements that she stated was, what was it? She said, everything is the same. Like every day is the same here. Mm-hmm. And that's brought out, I believe, by the king later that he meets. He, he points mm-hmm. to that, that if every day is the same for you, going back to the complacency or just accepting things the way they are, then you are not in pursuit of your purpose. That one little sentence that she said and how that tied the king, you know, references to, to that later. And how many times have we just got up and did the same thing? Right. And it's just like the same day. And it's a rationalization. You're rationalizing because it's, it's easier. It feels okay. And okay seems to be okay. So, yeah. So many good things. And then the next character from the Disney is one of my favorite characters, the king. (laughs) Ah, yes. Who wants to talk about the king? The old and ornery king. (laughs) (laughs) He was so strange. And as he's speaking to the boy over those couple of days, I kept asking to just myself, I said, there's something more the author wants us to take from this character. And who is the king, really? You know, we know he's a character meeting a boy, giving him some information, but who is the king in our lives? When I think about the king, I think about divine intervention. One of the things that he brings up is um, how he had intervened with Abraham. So, and then he he kind of chuckled to himself and and was like, hopefully, you know, God can forgive him of this this other act that he has done. So, you know, I think he is kind of like that push for the boy who really was still thinking about the the young lady that he had met and how he was happy that she was bedazzled by him. And he was thinking about, you know, well, you know, maybe she could marry a baker and maybe I could stay here. So he starts contemplating just not going anywhere. And then when he sees this this king. And he tells the king, uh, the king comes up to him and says, hey, pretty much, are you, wh- wh- why are you still here? Why why haven't you, you know, gone on your journey? And the boy looks at him like, who are you? <laughs> and how do you know anything right. about me? I thought it was interesting that the king was like, okay, well, let me tell you about your life down to the T right. for the boy to realize, <laughs> hey, wait a minute, you are more than what you seem to the point where maybe I really need to listen to you and maybe I really need to pursue this. And it was funny when the king was like, well, I'll tell you what you need, but what are you willing to sacrifice mm. to get that information? And so when he's like one tenth of your sheep, that you know the boy's like, what? You know, it's like, oh, God, this is my life. I don't want to do this for something that I don't really know. Like I don't want to make a sacrifice for a future that I don't know is going to happen. You know. So for me, like the king is is that divine intervention, like where he's where here we are. With this is what we want, but what are we willing to sacrifice to get there? And I also found it where he where he talked about beginner's luck, when, you know, when the boys sell the stuff and and he brings it up like here's a taste of, of what this when you are searching for that personal journey and you reach it, this is a taste of what it could be, you know, right. beginner's luck. And so he gives that to the boy and the young boy sees it and wants more. So he's willing to sell the rest of his sheep. So that way, well, he sells the rest of his sheep so that way he can start his journey. I just think that this, 
this man prodded him, you know, prodded him, yeah. gave him the much needed push, you know, that we all seek sometimes. Yeah, I think it was really, really cool. And I think that sometimes the king represented your inner thoughts so that the king was telling you things that might be deep down in your soul, exactly what you knew was your truth, but you didn't want to hear it. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that that's what was happening for the boy because in the end he he was brave enough to move forward um which is he was he was inspired by the king but also it felt like when the king would say something it would be something that you would kind of tell yourself when you were talking truth to your journey Mm. oh i love it those are so that's so interesting because when i was my interpretation was a little different and I love, you know, how you saw the king. And so I'm, as the king is being revealed, all these little hints, the the gold-plated vest, his all-knowingness of the facts about the boy that only the boy would know, and these little nuggets of wisdom that he's sharing with the boy. I'm like, oh, is this his guardian angel? Is this yeah, his, yeah. some people call a spirit guide? Or is this God in mm-hmm. a form of a man And this is how he had to be seen or presented for the boy to receive the information. He had to be in a form where he knew this boy would stop, pause, and pay attention. And I don't know if I ever came up with the answer, but I definitely felt it was more of a, in the spiritual realm, that of a way how we could get information or or messages. But I love how Barbara said it's, he was that push the boy needed because I do feel that people are brought into our life or circumstances or experiences are brought into our life to give us that push, to make us pause, to make us wonder, to excite us enough to make a sacrifice, right? For the unknown, for the possible treasure that may never, that may not even exist for that dream, that elusive dream that keeps haunting me. So that I thought was pretty powerful. And then your concept of the inner voice, like, wow, like we already know this. Like, I'm just like, whoo, I'm so blown away. I love it. This is what we already know. And we may ignore it. We may push it out or we may never hear it because our minds are so busy and loud and noisy from all the other distractions. So uh, just really good stuff. And that's why one of the reasons why I love this book so much is because Whoever reads it is going to get what they need to get from it. They're going to see what they need to see from it that resonates with them. And I don't know. And and in the beginning, I talk about the book is about mysticism and magic and this and that. And despite whatever you believe, just as I'm sharing this information with you and hearing how our interpretations are from one character kind of in itself speaks about the mysticism of this book. You know, it's definitely not black and white. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Each character does play a significant role in the boy's journey. And I think that if another person could read this book and feel not stuck, but happy, and they could be really, honestly, they could be complacent and they could get out of this book, but it's okay. It's okay as long as you're happy. So I think it could really be a wide range of what people get out of this book. And the most important thing is at the end of the day, you feel happier and better with your journey once you read the book, whether that's inspired and or mm-hmm. happy with mm-hmm. what wherever you are, which is, right. I think they achieve that in the book. 
No, I agree. And so let's transition into, because I feel like the book is broken up into about four sections, which surround the main characters that he meets. And so I would say the second section would be more about his life and experiences with the crystal shop owner. What, yes. do, what did you guys think of that part of the book? I actually really liked it a lot. I, I believe he was there around 11 months and nine days. I looked that up and it was really interesting because they really both grew, which was mm-hmm. really interesting. So I think it transitioned like the King, I think mainly the boy grew, but by the time mm-hmm. he got to the crystal shop, they were really, they were together longer, but they were impacting each other. And I want to yep. believe that once he left, both people were changed. They were more inspired and they found a more truth to themselves. So I think what's happening is the book is each character is significant in your journey, but also there's some that are more. There's some, and each time we get to a new character, it seems like, I don't know if more is the right word, but they're definitely, the significance is getting a little bit more broad. Yeah. It's, uh, they're more crucial to his, to that point of the journey that he's on. Exactly. Exactly. I think also, and then I'm just reflecting on this for the first time, that he can't move beyond that point until he learns the lesson that he's supposed to learn from that experience. I mean, he was with the crystal shop owner for almost a year and considered, well, I'm good. I'm going to go back home. And he never, (laughs) he never went on, you know, at that point, he was no longer interested in going after his this dream, the supposed dream, right? I absolutely agree. I think like what you said, where he just really wasn't trying to move forward. And then he has this conversation with the merchant where the merchant, in one of the conversations he has with the merchant, the merchant's like, well, I'm happy the way I am at one point. And then uh, when they start talking about teas, implementing teas with the crystals, you know, you see the merchants a little frustrated and he's like, this is not what I want. You know, I, I originally mm-hmm. wanted to go to Mecca And then I'm like, you know what? This is not really for me. I'm just going to chill. And now I just wanted to be a crystal merchant. I really wasn't thinking about going any, I wasn't ambitious. You know, I didn't want to make any more money. I kind of like where I am. And now here you are making me believe that I can achieve more. And the thought of it kind of scares me. And then the little boy was like, well, just do it. And here, once they, they get into the flow, the crystal merchant is starting to realize his potential. And he's starting to see that he he's quite comfortable wanting to to achieve more. So therefore, he goes out more, and he and he's happy with the fact that he was able to to think beyond what he originally thought. The complacency where he originally thought, well, I could just live like this and just be happy and just be on a straight line and and not ever go forward, you know, go up past the horizon. And and for him to see that, I think the boy saw that too and saw that that change in the merchant. And it it kind of affected the boy and made him want it to go, you know what? I probably need to keep pursuing, you know, my dream. And sometimes when you see people stuck, it helps you actually push the other way. So by looking at that crystal merchant and going like, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of lame. Look what he's doing. Sometimes then you (laughs) you start looking at yourself and going like, well, aren't I doing the same thing? Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want that. So then you kind of force yourself to be uncomfortable because you're judging them. And then you, if you're being authentic, you're realizing, well, I mean, what, what am I doing? That's different than that. I'm really not. Right. So that I can motivate too. Yeah. You know, I think also what stood out to me was how much time he spent on pause. 
You know, he was so aggressive to get to Africa and he got there and he, yes, you know, and it was almost easy, right? He sold the sheep, he had enough sheep to sell, he had um, to get there and there wasn't really any hurdles. He didn't, people didn't try to swindle him or he, there was no travel mishaps. And so, boom, he wants to go to Africa. Here's the money. Boom. He buys a ticket. He's in Africa. And then all of a sudden things start unraveling and it takes almost a year for him to kind of wake up again. But he spent that time, not just like, oh, what was me? He spent that time helping better someone else's life. And it wasn't about him anymore. It was, you know, I met this cool guy and I know I can help him get unstuck, as you mentioned, Toby. And now my mission and purpose is getting this man unstuck. So that's really interesting because I'm thinking now, so we have this long-term thing, whatever it is, and let's call it our treasure. We all have a treasure in Egypt. And all along this journey, we're meeting different people, colorful people. And, but then maybe we have these mini purposes and mini journeys. And until we're able to sort of find the treasure in that, we kind of stay stuck. And I think his, it's just cool to think that he paused on his journey and helped this man realize his, a new dream, a new purpose, a new passion. And then once that was realized, it was almost as if he was like, oh, okay, my time here is, is done. It's time to move on. So just even thinking about that, I think that's kind of fascinating to say to ourselves, like, well, well, sometimes when we think we are, we've fallen off the track or the path or whatever, maybe we didn't, maybe that pause is purposeful, but it's not for us. It's for someone else. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? No, I like that. That's definitely like reading about, uh, maybe that was just something that he needed to do. He needed to be there at that time for that long of a time so that he can impact someone else's life. And once that happened, he decided, okay, I'm going to go and continue on changing my life, doing what I was set out to do. I guess you could do that in, I think about that in other people's lives, in your life. We reach these journeys, we go through these journeys and sometimes we see something in someone else. So we kind of put a halt in what we're doing because we see we see where how we can help that other person, and, and honestly, in helping that other person, we we end up helping ourselves. You know, we yeah, you know, we absolutely. grow ourselves, which is what which is what Santiago did as well. Yeah, I think that another thing to think about is that when people tend to see successful people, so say you're you're reading in the newspaper about Steve Jobs or you know somebody really super successful, and then you judge yourself critically. What you don't know is. Most everyone that's become whatever that success looks like, they've had those stops. They've had those pauses. And the difference maybe is that they didn't just stop. They had pauses. But to think that things are just smooth and you don't have interruptions and starts and stops is unreasonable. And I think what's great about this book is if you're reading it and you can hold yourself to a standard, but also understand it's okay sometimes and it's normal. Yeah. So that's what Mm -hmm. I was thinking on that. Yeah, no, those are really good points as well. And so let's transition from the crystal shop. And he meets this eccentric Englishman that is obsessed with books. Okay, like me, I could relate. I definitely was relating to this. <laughs> At least with his obsession with books. <laughs> but who wants to, who wants to, what did you think about the Englishman, Toby? 
Well, I thought it was interesting because I know people that are so obsessed with books. I'm an avid reader, but I'm not obsessed with books. And so I think it's interesting because a lot of those people sometimes don't see the forest from the trees and they can be very frustrating. And I think that fairly quickly on, he finds him a little ignorant because he thinks that he's, he knows it all, but he has got his nose stuck into a book. So I kind of related to the other side of like, dude, this is only one aspect of a scope of things you need to understand. And I think it's really, he's growing as a character because he kind of more quickly gets the limitations of being a person that only has one character trait and that Mm -hmm. needs to look at things in a more broad spectrum. So I think it's kind of interesting. And I relate to that frustration with some people that I'm like, you know, come on, you got to have balance. So I think that the boy is actually getting really, really smarter in the way he looks at things. Yeah. As the book goes on, that's my kind of my my thought on that. What do you think of the uh, Englishman? I agree, by the way, Toby, I I agree with all those points in terms of (laughs) definitely. Yeah, 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 for sure. I found the Englishman's frustration with the boy to be frustrating. (laughs) 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 He's so linear, you know, he's for Mm -hmm. someone who has, he wants to be an alchemist. And mm-hmm. reading the book and you think about an alchemist, you have to think outside the box pretty much. Mm. And this Englishman, this Englishman, excuse me, has made himself, he's restricted himself to just his books. His All right. of the answers are going to be in these books. I need to find out. I need to talk to the alchemist because he's going to help me understand what is in these books. He's just so structured. And so when the boy reads the books and he starts asking him questions and the Englishman gets frustrated, well, you you just, you're simplifying everything. Every, like every time the boy talks to him, he gets, oh, you're just, it's not that simple. It's more complex. (laughs) The language of the soul and the language of the international, he just, he just gives him all of these things and these symbols and and he just is so dead set on wanting to f- to be the ultimate alchemist where he can change metal into gold. And he even, uh, you know, when you read further into it, he talks about how he did meet the actual alchemist and the alchemist told him, well, you can do it. You have it in you. But see, my frustration with the Englishman is, is he doesn't see that because he thinks if I search like what the book says, it says, uh, there's certain alchemists that will never be able to make metal into gold because mm. you have those who are in their journey. They're living their journey. And then you have those that will always search for the journey. They always have to find something concrete instead of looking for the abstract, looking for, I'm living this, I'm, I'm experiencing this. And he doesn't, the Englishman just doesn't get that. It's something that's solid for him. It's logical for him. He just wants something so bad that he refuses to see anywhere past what he can see is I think what it is um, for me. So when the boy is talking to him and, and trying to get him to see differently, the Englishman doesn't want to hear it. He's like, Oh, he, he doesn't know better. You know, but the reality is <laughs> a little bit, he knew he understood. I don't want to say he didn't know. He yeah, understood. Like, what is this little boy now? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think what was interesting about that, which we haven't really discussed that much, but this book really talks about, which really struck me, omens. And when you really, authentic, when you really, 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 really authentically, like in your soul, in your bones, want yeah. something, like 
really wanted, <laughs> like deep, deep down inside, you list, you feel there's things that show up for you and he, they call them omens. Mm-hmm. And right. the, the problem with the gentleman, the avid reader, as they say, he will not see these omens. So he struggles uh, because yeah. he's not yeah. open to them. And the author really doesn't, he's not paying attention. He's yeah. convinced he's got it down. You know, he knows already. Well, you know, it's interesting because I love that. And thank you for bringing that up because that was something that really resonated with me throughout the book were these omens or signs. And the boy, you know, said to the Englishman, you really need to look up sometimes. We're on this, Mm -hmm. you know, pilgrimage Mm -hmm. through the desert, this very dangerous place because of the warring that was going on between the tribes. And we need to know exactly what we what to do at a moment's notice based on if we're going to be attacked or not. And your head is so deep into these pages that you don't even know if it's nighttime or daytime or like what. And again, going back to your point in the beginning of the podcast, where you mentioned kind of living this parallel life with the boy as he's going through this journey. I believe that sometimes, you know, as individuals, we get stuck on this path. We're so hyper-focused on this one goal and it could be as broad as I want to be the best mother in the world, or it could be something where I want to learn how to perfectly cook the best, I'm going to say jerk chicken because I'm Jamaican, and and you're not paying attention to all the things that are going around you, and you're missing so many signs of other things that you could be learning from and pulling from and experiencing. Yeah, I felt guilty of that as I was reading it, but also motivated all at the same time. Like, I need to do better. I need to pay attention because there's such miraculous things that happen all the time. And when we're not paying attention, they can just go right by, small and large, you know, so it motivated me. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about too, when he talks about when they're in the desert and the Englishman, of course, is just hyper-focused on on his books and the young boy starts to listen to the silence. In this, like, even when he's in the desert, even when he's in the oasis, he just wants to listen. And he goes out and he and he looks at the hawks and he sees the hawks and he ends up with a vision. The theme of patience comes back. You know, right. he thinks about, mm-hmm, right. why am I not doing this? Why am I not reaching? And he's starting to think about, reflect on the closer he gets or the, the more he wants it, the harder he feels like it is to reach his dream. And he starts to realize that he really needs to have the patience because it's going to happen. You know, God puts things in your path for a reason. And like, even though like he, he felt he, from what I gathered in the book, he kind of felt a way about the Englishman where he's, he looks at him and says, well, everyone has their own way of learning. Everyone has, this Englishman is looking for his own personal legend, but he's looking for it in his own way. It may not be his way. And the boy sees that the Englishman does not recognize that in the boy. But the boy sees that and he goes, well, this is how I'm going to find my personal legend. And if that's how he finds it in his books, then that's that's just how he's going to find it. I saw that it's just the difference between the two where the boy just takes a moment and he reflects and he thinks and thinks and he attracts the omens that he needs to pursue his journey. No, I was saying because he's open. That's why he attracts it. Yeah. So as we move into the last section of the book where he meets you know, our final character that was incredibly created. The, what I thought as we leave the Englishman was that it doesn't always take effort to realize or accomplish that goal because the Englishman was clearly putting in a lot of time, mm-hmm. energy, and money 
Like he was spending his, all of his inheritance on this quest of becoming an alchemist. And he still wasn't an alchemist. And he, um, as part of the quest, he sought out to meet the alchemist. And he put in all this money and the years and the energy and all these books that he's reading. But who ends up meeting the alchemist? The boy. <laughs> the actual alchemist. The man that legends have, has been living for over 200 years mm-hmm. and can turn lead into gold and has the secrets of healing, right? Like the boy wasn't even looking for this person. He didn't right. even have to try. This person came and found him. The actual alchemist, the legend, found him. And here's this Englishman who for years and all this pain and angst and money and blah, 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 searching out this legend, if he maybe paid attention, maybe he would have found him or at yes. least found him. And you know, it's so crazy. The boy didn't even want to go anywhere anymore. Like he found the the young girl, fell completely in love. Yeah, the love of his life. To be, yeah. exactly, and he was going to be content staying right where he was. Yep. And then this alchemist comes out of nowhere practically and he's like, you got to finish your journey. Mm. And you know, and the boy's like, "No, no, no, I'm good. I this is my journey. This is this is my treasure. I found her. She's she's what I wanted." I did I mean, technically that. she was in the desert, so treasure yeah. in the desert. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't by the pyramid, but she was in the desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they were same continent. But what I what I loved was when the girl the girl says to him, and he's like, I'm, I'm content to do this. I'm good. And she said, because you're mine, you're my treasure. I need you to fulfill, you know, your dream of reaching your treasure. Mm-hmm. You know, and Ooh. he kind of didn't understand it. He didn't understand Ooh. it in the beginning. He was upset. And it was the alchemist that kind of was like, well, listen, you can stay here all you want. But eventually yeah. that hunger, that wanting is going mm. to over, overpower you until it's going to change you. You know, yes. and it, it won't change you for make the better. You, yeah. Yeah. It'll change you for the worse. Yeah. Exactly. You'll look back. Yeah. You'll look back with regret and it will be too late. Well, it may not be too late, but the way it'll change, it will feel like it's too late either way. Kind of like the merchant, right? I mean, the, the crystal right. shop owner. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you know, one of the things that stood out to me as well, it said, um, one of the lines he wrote was true love will not keep you from your purpose. Oh, yeah. True love will not keep you from your purpose. So if he chose to stay there and, or if she forced him to stay there, then that by definition, according to the author or the alchemist was not true love. Cause sometimes we make mm. decisions like, Oh, I'm, you know, I love my children so much that I'm not going to do that. Or I love my husband so much. I'm not going to do that. Or my parents. So I'm not going to do that. No, that's just an excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's wow. true love, if, if that, you know, if you're saying, quote unquote, you're doing this out of love. That really hit yeah. me because, yes, we, we tend to make sacrifices that we think are the right thing to do. So we stifle our dreams for those mm-hmm. that we love. But the reality is love will, you know, true love, both people grow from it or, yeah. or you know, you and your partner, mm-hmm. you and your children. Love, love grows. Love is like the water that that gives life to the plant, that allows the plant to grow. I found it interesting too. I'm just going to touch on the Englishman one just a little bit where he was talking about the universal language and, you know, and he found the universal language and he, and he called it a name and all of these things. But once the young boy 
met the girl, it like dawned on him and he was like, wait a minute, I know the universal language. It's like he figured it out. It's love. Yeah. So it's like everyone he meets, everyone he meets, it just, like you said, he he opens himself up to to get all of these omens. And, and that was just another one. The soul of the world, he starts to begin to understand that. Mm. Like everything is intertwined. Even yeah. when he meets the alchemist and he says to the alchemist, what do you want with me? The Englishman came to see you. I, I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> and the alchemist says, hey, look, when a person really desires something, all the universe conspires to help that person realize his dream. And I was like, okay. hey, the king said that. <laughs> And it's just an ongoing theme in the book. You, If you really want it, all these omens, all of these people, everything is going to push you towards what you yourself want so badly. Yeah. So let me ask you this as we wrap up. We met the alchemist. Santiago met the alchemist in the last section of the book. And he was a very powerful character, memorable character. But the alchemist calls Santiago an alchemist, even though Santiago never learned how to literally turn lead into gold, which is what this Englishman was so hard in trying so hard to learn how to do. Why is the book called The Alchemist, in your opinion? Opinions. What what are you guys taking from it? I think it's, for me, it's changing from one thing to another. And so it doesn't have to be necessarily uh, silver to gold or, or whatever. It's more about the transition to be able to be malleable enough to change. And through change, you ex- have such a more enriched life, no matter what that is. And so if the alchemy is like the changing and the ability to mold yourself in different ways. I love that. Wow. How about you, Barbara? Yeah, so, uh, along the lines of what Toby said, I think the alchemist is just going towards that. As you go towards your, you know, your dreams, you change and you grow and you meet different people in this world who you touch their lives and they learn and they grow from their interactions with you. So I think this little boy was in fact the alchemist in a sense that not only was he changing with every experience, changing with every interaction, he also changed the lives of those that he interacted with. Mm, wow. That's true. Yeah. So if those individuals were led, he, as Toby mentioned in the beginning, each person that he met, he changed them for the better. And that was through his love of the pursuit of his dream, his purpose. And for me, the alchemist, and echoing both of what you said, the title references all of us, like each of us have the ability to turn lead into gold. And maybe it's a bad circumstance and maybe it's a person that we meet and, or maybe it's ourselves or all of the above. And maybe the whole journey of life, maybe his journey, maybe Santiago's journey from to be um, priest, to shepherd boy, to adventurer, (laughs) to an alchemist in love that represented life. And maybe it's really all about the journey and because we're so focused on the treasure, but guess mm-hmm. what? The section about the treasure didn't take up that much Mm-mm. of the author's writing. It was all about the journey. So maybe the bigger picture is us focusing on the journey and becoming the alchemist 
in each and every aspect of that journey. I don't know. That's just my thought. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It brings me, the alchemist, we left him with this like one thing where he says to the boy, he says, no matter what he does, every person on earth plays a central role in the history of the world. And normally he doesn't know it. So each of us, we're part of a web. We're all intertwined and each of us, big or small, contributes to just the world's, the world moving toward, we, could we contribute towards the, our growth, you know? And something, I just want to say this before we go, this young man always had like such a positive, you know, there were some times where he was frustrated, but when he interacted with other people, it was always more positive than it was negative. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, yeah, I did notice that with him. You know, he always understood them. He always tried to empathize with them. And and I think that also in him doing that, he, again, he opened himself up. He actually really, truly listened to them. So it wasn't something, he, he was sensitive towards their plight, sensitive towards their journey as well. And I think that too was essential in his growth and in theirs. That's all amazing. I agree. This book was I loved it. I loved it. And yes, unfortunately, yes. we're getting close to wrapping up time. So who wants to talk about what happens next? Or maybe we could all jump I in. I do. Quickly. I do. Okay, go ahead. So I think that one of the journeys, and if I think about this book and our book club as an omen, it's having some new fun with my husband. So he actually uh, was, he listened to the book and I read it and we were talking about what happened next. And we talked about what his thoughts were and my thoughts were. And then I came up with what I think could have happened next. So I did it actually, I'm just going to just read it to you. I think that basically the boy Santiago and his wife, I feel like they probably had a lot of children, maybe seven. And I think they were all girls. And then what might have happened is they were having this really great life and they had love and they had money and they had peace. And and something unusual happened. When, when the boy turned 68 years old, a miracle happened and they had a baby boy. And they were incredibly, they were incredibly happy. They were so happy and they raised them with love. And the boy secretly, Santiago, was waiting for the right time to make his son learn the lessons of alchemy. So when the son was 19... He went to him brimming with excitement and he had been waiting, not really sharing the amount of emotion behind this. And no matter how much he tried to tell his son about all the things that were open to him, if he would take this journey with him, the, the son just was happy where he was, very similar to all the people he met. And what happened was he went to his wife. They were very, very close and she saw him devastated. And his wife's name was Fatima. She told him that sometimes the desert comes calling again and that she knew Mm. that their love would bring him back. And she tells him to go and he goes out and he goes through all over the world. He leaves the oasis and he journeys for 10 years. He's gone for 10 years. And when he comes back, a miracle happens and his son has a revelation and is open to the understanding So the son's journey changed as well, missing his father, being the responsible one for the family. And so after that 10 years gone, he comes back and things become full circle. 
That's kind of the story I laid out in my mind I with my husband. I love that. And so you're going to write this when, Toby? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, I want to read this. <laughs> oh, it was really, really fun, you guys. It was excellent just to be able to read this and not read it even with my husband, but apart and then come together. And uh, I think what happened is we saw some wisdom from our own raising of our kids and kind of spoiling them a little too much and 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 seeing that there's a journey to take with your children and you get to watch them have aha moments. And um, that's mm. kind of where we took some of this from, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Yes. I love that. Thank love you. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was getting goosebumps as you were saying that. I was like, oh, yes. And they had a son. <gasps> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So how about yeah. you, Barbara? Do you want to add what happens next? Well, for so Santiago goes back and uh, once he finds the treasure, he goes to his parents and he tells his parents about his journey and his father is elated. He's just like his son just pretty much lived the dream that he wanted to, that he had always wanted to live when he was younger. So to, for him to be able to hear his son makes him so happy. And then Santiago tells his parents that he wants to go back and introduce and get a Fatima, which is what he does. And on his journey, he goes back and sees the crystal merchant who is thriving and is so, you know, happy and he's Mm -hmm. doing so amazing. And he thanks um, Santiago for all the things that he's for their talks and motivation. And he gives him part of his business and tells him, please, you know, go and share this with the world. And Santiago's excited and he goes and he takes it. And then he, as he meets the Englishman who is still at the Oasis and he is still trying to change metal into gold. The plot ends with the Englishman. He has uh, started to realize that the books are not where the answers are. He apologizes to Santiago and says to him, you knew more, way more than I did. And you've only read a fraction of what I have. So he came to the realization that, you know what, it's not about these books. It's about listening to the world, just pretty much what Santiago has done. And I love that he was able to talk to that. So he goes over to Fatima, he meets her, he stays with her for a while, and then he decides to go home and open a school. And it's not going to be any school. It's going to be a school where all children, boy or girl, can learn about anything that the world has to offer. He has, he brings books from all over. The Englishman um, gave him many, many books on alchemy, which is something that he didn't know. So he puts that in his book and he want, his goal of the school is to teach children that the world is their oyster. And he wants them to go out and he wants them to explore as much as they can instead of just thinking that they can stay home and just be a shepherd's wife or a shepherd, a baker's wife or a baker. They can do whatever their their minds, they set their minds to. Wow. I love it. What about you, Nova? Mine is... <laughs> Mine's a little briefer than that. I feel <laughs> that he then went and paid the gypsy, um, the tenth that she had asked for. Mm-hmm. And she that for her actually seeing him come back and give her the tenth of his treasure allowed her and empowered her to realize how truly gifted she is. And mm. he was able to then um do what he did in with his other characters that he met in the book, um, was turn her into or her life into gold where she then just chose to better herself. And I believe that he did eventually reunite with Fatima, but I believe also before that happens, he has another set of reoccurring dreams. 
and goes back to the gypsy and a whole new adventure begins. And the takeaway from this, it's, there's never ever just one treasure and, or one goal or one purpose. And that when we pursue that quote unquote purpose and we obtain that goal, whatever it is, there's always a new one waiting for us. And the whole purpose of life is to continue to evolve and grow and change. And if that takes a year, five years, 10 years, or a hundred, no matter what, it's you never become complacent. You never just you know sit and be happy by the tree mm-hmm. and stay where you are. So that's that was my, wow. my thought was, we're going to go on a whole nother adventure with Santiago and meet a whole nother set of new amazing characters. Wow. So- Yeah, that was mine. Very cool. So as you can see, listeners, we want you to read The Alchemist. We all agree that it was an amazing book and that doesn't always happen, right? We don't always end up liking a book at the same level, but I loved it. I mean, if I was going to rate it five out of five and I read a lot of books, this absolutely gets a five for me. How about you guys? Definitely. It's so good. Oh, it was a great book. Yeah. It's incredible. And we would love our fellow book readers to please share uh, your ideas, your thoughts about The Alchemist. Each show, we're going to start off just reading some comments from our previous show and uh, requests or thoughts from our listeners. And we want you to be a part of that. So please um, email us at Tuesday Mornings Book Club at pinkkangaroo.com. That's pretty long. So we, we yeah. might have a shorter one for you guys, but it's the name of the show, Tuesday Mornings Book Club at pinkkangaroo, and that's with the U at the end.com. Again, thank you so much for joining us. There's thank a new you. book. Every show, thank you. Every two weeks. And I'm thanking my beautiful co-hosts, Toby and Barbara, and, you know, for joining and sharing as well. And we look forward to reading another book with you. So until next time, take care. This is Nova from Tuesday Mornings Book Club. Bye.